Hello, and welcome to the Vivolution podcast. Since starting in late 2016, Vivolution has been creating inspiring events for the plant-powered generation. Each episode of this podcast will share with you stories and ideas told by plant-based thought leaders from the Vivolution stage. For more information on Vivolution and their upcoming program of international events, visit www.vivolution.co. Scott McCulloch is the co-founder of The Vegan Kind, the UK's most popular subscription boxes for vegans. In this talk, he shares the extraordinary story of how together with his wife, Caris, they created one of the UK's most successful vegan businesses. This was recorded at Vivolution Topics Entrepreneurs in 2018. Uh, thanks, everybody. Um, I think uh, Grace obviously had a fantastic speech there and uh, really highlighted the fact that everybody that's up here tonight will probably have a bit of a different story to tell. Uh, Grace obviously able to tap into the kind of uh, um, investment market and obviously something she knew well, but we were a bit of a different route. We've never had any investment at all. Um, so the story I'll tell tonight is more about how you can become entrepreneurial or set up a business whilst you're actually still employed um, because that's the, that's the way we had to do it. We just basically burned the candle at both ends for several years to the point where we thought we were going to put ourselves in an early grave and then, uh, long story short, it was all worth it. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> so um, uh, also just before I start, I wanted to actually say a huge big congratulations to Damien and Judy who obviously just recently got engaged. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm obviously, I'll, I'll explain a little bit about who I'm in business with, I'm sure most of you already know, um, but I'm in a, a vegan couple as well, so I know how empowering it is to be kind of singing from the same hymn sheet and know that the partner that you're with is of the same mindset and you're both going to conquer the world together. So, um, But before I move into the actual content, um, there's three kind of um, attributes that I wanted to discuss um, before, sorry, the, the arrow button, the right arrow button, yeah, yeah. So there's three kind of attributes that I wanted to discuss. Um, not, not specifically actions that entrepreneurs will probably take, um, but three attributes that I feel are very, very important that got us to where we are just now. Um, number one is uh, your mindset. This is something that I did a lot, a lot of work on in 2013 when we were setting up the business and we were both employed. We had a one-year-old at home. Um, we didn't have, you know, you know, we had good jobs, but we certainly didn't have huge amounts of expendable capital. Um, and we were spending and spending and spending on the vegan kind to get it off the ground. And sometimes it kind of felt like the, the sort of walls were caving in because you're, you're sort of driving forward your passion. You know it all makes sense. But in those early um, days, you really, really do have to have an ironclad mindset and make sure that you are prepared for everything that's going to come your way and not give up. Um, you really, really have to believe in yourself and, and be willing to push yourself when the going gets tough. Um, which moves on to the second point, um, which is again something I became quite fixated on at the start, and that was momentum. Uh, we didn't really have that much time. Uh, we were both in full-time employment and with a child at home. When you get home, you could easily, easily slip into the rut of um, feeling that you've never actually got enough time to implement your idea. Um, it'd be the same for a checkout operator or a lawyer or a, a taxi driver um, or a hairdresser. Anybody who's employed at all probably feels that they're extremely 
extremely time poor. So as soon as you go to start implementing your idea, you have limiting thoughts about your abilities and, and, and decide that the task is too big because you're looking ahead to what you want to have achieved before you've even got your idea off the ground. So in terms of momentum, that means that for the early startup, you need to be doing something every single day. It might be the case that you've decided you, uh, you, you want to open up a cafe and you, you, you know you need a logo. So those actions for that day could be simply emailing one person to get a quote for a logo. Might be the next day that they respond, which is another action. Or the, the day after that, you might have a bit more spare time and you get to do two, 10 things in a day. Or the day after that, might be an absolute catastrophe and you feel like you've set back um, you know, 20 steps. But as long as you implement momentum and you start building up and building up and doing something every single day, it's only then that you get to look back four and a half years into the business or one year into the business and look back and go, holy shit, look what we've actually achieved. If you start to get consumed by the enormity of it all and stop doing things on a daily basis, you're really going to find it difficult to pick up the ball when you go back to your, um, your idea. Uh, comfort zone, so I am not a singer. I have very rarely held a microphone in my hand, so I'm way out of my comfort zone right now. You know, I've had to come down from Glasgow on the train myself, um, come and speak at an event before. I've had to speak to audiences, but never as the director of The Vegan Kind, never about veganism. So I'm definitely stepping outside my comfort zone, but I think you'll find that generally entrepreneurially minded people are good at seeking out those opportunities and taking them when they come, because you really do need to expand yourself as a person um, when you move into the business world because it's not something you've, you've been before, but it's who you're uh, aiming to come uh, in the future. Uh, as I say, I'm uh, only one half of the vegan kind. Don't know how many people would, have, would know me versus my uh, co-founder and co-director. She's a co-founder and co-director to me and all of you, but she's uh, especially important to me because uh, she's my wife, Karis. Um, the four, the four um, topics I'll cover is so how it all began, uh, where we were at the start, uh, where we are now as a business, uh, what it takes to reach autonomy, and what the future holds, what plans have we got in place, and then I was meant to speak about my beautiful wife, Karis. So. Um, Karis doesn't often have pizza on her head, um, but uh, she is fond of a Snapchat selfie. Uh, Karis is, I would say, the, the lifeline within the vegan kind. Um, she was a project manager when we set up. I was working in business banking, so we both had um, attributes and skills that would lead us to go into business together. However, it's Karis that's the lifelong vegetarian um, transitioning into to veganism, the sort of uh, more well-worn, uh, well-trodden path into veganism. And I'm just the guy who was lucky enough to be shown the light by my better half. I think like a lot of guys going vegan these days, it's sort of maybe ingrained in your head, sort of caveman mentality. And there was a point in time where I could never even imagine being vegan, but when you go vegan and you then realise that it is literally the, the only way forward for humanity and for animals and for everything, it is so crystal clear. Um, so that's, that's, that's something that I think, um, in terms of uh, International Women's Day uh, last week, um, I actually was at a, an award ceremony uh, or an alumni event. Uh, Karis and I had the opportunity to pitch at an um, event called Scottish Edge in November. It was uh, 250 businesses whittled down to 100, whittled down to 50, whittled down to 25. The 25 had the opportunity to go and pitch in front of a panel of entrepreneurs at RBS Gogaburn head offices. Um, and Karis and I managed to go and pitch on stage and we won the second highest prize of £75,000. Um, which has been monumental for the business. We've not used any of it yet, but we have that safety net sitting there for uh, the future, which is uh, extremely important. And like Grace says, it's a very stressful environment being self-employed, especially when both of us are taking an income out of the business. So that capital's sitting there. But uh, the alumni event um, last week, uh, the CEO of Scottish Edge, Evelyn MacDonald, 
female, obviously. Um, she made a very, very, very good point. You know, I said I was coming to speak at this, and um, it was International Women's Day, and she said, you know, she said, are most vegans women? And I said, well, you know, 80% are female, yes. Um, and she said, well, you know, you really need to get across there that that is the, uh, you know, an important point that they've all got such a fantastic opportunity to get into business. You know, if you think about the 50 billion pounds uh, deficit in the UK economy, if we could inspire more women to get into business, then imagine what that would do. And, you know, working with a, a, a woman in business myself, I, I can't encourage that more. You know, I'd be more than happy to speak to anybody after, male or female, but I know Karis would be as well keen to help any females that are, that are wanting to get into business because it's almost like, I guess, a. Uh, a, a quick win, you know, um, there's, there, there's a market there in terms of veganism. I know we don't like to think of it as a market because everybody's far more invested in veganism than that. It's a, a more of a passion-based um, endeavour. However, there is a market there and the, 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 the obvious um, sort of choice to me is that the more vegan women that get into business, then the quicker veganism will grow. So if we can inspire, if I can inspire anybody today to sort of launch an idea and, and help along the way, then I would love to be able to do that. Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, how, how did it all begin? So how it all began, so uh, 2013 in July, um, Karis was a beauty blogger, she already had a YouTube channel, she was, you know, 25,000 subscribers or whatever. She was doing a lot of blogging for like Glossy Box and such like, but she would only ever use the products that were cruelty free, so we were aware of the, the subscription box market. Um, I was working in sales for WorldPay, as I say, Karis was working uh, project manager at Santander, and uh, it was Karis who had the idea, she said, you know, why, why was it so difficult for us to become vegan, why are we having to check all those products? We knew that we were gravitating towards brands uh, that we knew were reliable or predominantly vegan and we thought well there's really there should be a marketplace for them to get their product direct into the hand of consumers at the same time and create a bit of a social engagement so we launched our very first product which was our uh, vegan lifestyle box which is still going today and I'll give you numbers on what we're doing with that later and we launched that on uh, World Vegan Month uh, uh, which was World Vegan Day the 1st of November um, so that means our birthday is on World Vegan Month every year which is not only really really cool it's um, good from a marketing perspective as well because we get to host our birthday um, on one of the most important days for veganism. Um, so we ran that for about a year, um, as I say, burning the candle at both ends, working through the night, getting up at 5am, packing boxes um, through all hours and we decided that we wanted to launch something else and uh, like I say, Karis had been exposed to the beauty market but there was nobody doing a beauty box at that time. Um, so we launched the beauty box. Um, all was going really, really well. We've been trading for a, um, couple, a few years now, about three and a half years. Karis had actually left her job about 18 months into this uh, timescale um, and was in the business full time. However, as a family, we had uh, grown and we had uh, now two children. So we had now four-year-old Casey and Tyler had just been born. So the business at this point would have put time to burn the ships. That's in reference to a saying that you just have to go for it. You really, really need to just throw your all at it and make a big leap of faith. And that was at that point. Because although we'd made loads of scary jumps and you know big sort of brave decisions, at that point, when we looked at the business, Karis couldn't really focus too much on, on the business because I'd actually been promoted at WorldPay. I was down in London, so maybe two, three nights a week, so I was only at home a couple of nights, which meant that essentially Karis was operating as a single parent sometimes when I wasn't there. 
So she wasn't really able to focus on the business as much as she wanted to, although she was every single hour and minute of every single day. Um, and I wasn't really able to focus on it because I'd been promoted and had a great job. And, and the vegan kind was actually just starting to stagnate, to be honest. We got to the point where we thought, is this working? You know, is this, is this the future or not? And we, it was like a third child to us. You know, we really, really believed in it. We knew it was making such a difference to so many people that we just thought, no, this is it. This is now that time where they say, you know, you've got to give it your all. So we basically made the decision that I was going to hand in my notice, which then meant we we're going to have two people drawing our income from the same business with two children at home. And we were doing it at a point in time where the vegan kind couldn't actually support the level of income we needed to, you know, cover our mortgage and all the obligations and stuff we had. But we knew if we implemented something new at that point, we could probably make it work. So we um, basically implemented the Vegan Kind supermarket. We knew we obviously had an, an audience there. Uh, we were selling once a month, essentially, subscription boxes. And we thought, well, if all these people are hitting our website anyway, then why not be selling to them in day, uh, all these amazing new vegan brands that are appearing. Um, launched Chilled Goods as well, which was um, you know, a very, very clever manoeuvre in our part. Doing Chilled Goods is actually quite a um, strategic implementation, quite a difficult one because people maybe don't know, but if we ship a DPD parcel and it doesn't arrive the next day, they destroy it. So we, for example, at Christmas had a trailer go out um, of 400 orders, I think it was. And then the next morning, we got a phone call from our DPD manager to say, we're really, really sorry. The um, uh, trailer that was due to leave Glasgow to go to the rest of the UK didn't leave Glasgow. Uh, we were just too busy. You're, all your food is um, sitting and uh, it's been destroyed. Um, that was a, a call that we got. Um, long story short, we managed to get a notice up the, up the chain at DPD. It wasn't destroyed, it's still been in Glasgow and they gave authority to send it out on day two because our gel packs and, and, and um, the packaging materials are suitable for 48 to 72 hours, but it's a DPD policy that they must destroy it because they don't want to be seen to be delivering goods to somebody beyond that 24 hour period in case they're then culpable for any illness or anything like that. So it's, just, it's a red tape issue, but dealing in chilled goods definitely comes with its own issues. Um, so that's, that's, that's the sort of what we've implemented as, as a business. Um, but where are we now? So just give you some numbers, I'll just go through it quite quick. Um, so I know there's, there's loads of memes around about this, you know, the path to success. Is it a straight arrow? No, it's a kind of windy one. But I like this one because I thought it was pretty apt. Uh, in terms of uh, implementing your idea or entrepreneurially spirit, you're probably gonna go up quite a, a steep hill on a fairly shit bike. Uh, and when you get to the... <laughs> When you get to the edge, you're going to drop off the cliff and smash into a bunch of boulders. And once you, once you manage to get out of there, you've got a big steep climb again. You've then got a rope ladder to get across. It's no doubt got piranhas under it. Um, and then you've got a, a death slide across shark-infested waters and then a storm cloud when you've got a mountain to climb without a rope. And that's probably the way it feel, or felt for the first couple of years. We really did feel we were um, you know, treading against the, the wind, if you like. We, we, we had a, a lot to do and not enough time to do it, but we were just grinding grinding, grinding, grinding every hour of every day, just knowing that sort of brighter times would come. Um, so got a few photos, um, like they says, which will come on to a minute, but one of the main things that people always ask me about or Karis about is, you know, what numbers are you doing? How, how, how many boxes do you ship out per month? Um, so I'll just go through that with everybody. Um, so our lifestyle boxes, when we set up in 2013, we did uh, 561 in that entire year. And our forecast for 2018 is that we'll do 52,600. Um, our beauty box, uh, when we set that up, that's a, a kind of uh, unloved 
uh, product, if you like. Uh, at the moment, our beauty box is, is uh, beauty products put in our lifestyle box, essentially, but we're actually reworking the entire beauty box. It's getting completely fresh branding, um, much better packaging, and we're going to relaunch it in its own right because we've never, ever driven it, and it really, really does deserve um, sort of more attention, if you like. But yeah, so 195 boxes we did in 2014, and then in 2018, uh, we're planning on doing just under 8,000. Uh, and then our uh, supermarket, which we implemented in order to uh, make my leap away from employment uh, sustainable, uh, thankfully worked, um, although it's a completely different operating model, I must say. Um, but yeah, so when we set that up, 2016 we did uh, 1,800 boxes and our forecast for 2018 is uh, just under 32,000 boxes. So in 2018, the vegan kind will ship out uh, about 92,000 orders, which considering we started as a logo and we started just as an idea, then it circles me back to the point on momentum. You know, it didn't happen out of nothing. You really, really have to keep doing something every single day. It doesn't matter how big or small, don't get bogged down about how big or small the thing is you did, just do something. Um, I'm not saying that everybody's gonna make a success, but I certainly think veganism is, is growing and we need more vegan businesses to be a success. You know, if we've got billion dollar dairy companies, we should have billion dollar vegan companies. You know, I like the vegan bros approach where they say, you know, they sort of, the sort of capitalist um, opinion that you, you shouldn't be sort of selling in within veganism and, it, and it's against the cause. And then they had a big change a couple of years ago and, and, and sort of, you know, F that, you know, we should be having vegan billionaires, we should be having, you know, vegan companies that employ millions across the world. And I agree, you know, if veganism evidently is obviously growing exponentially every single day and week, and it's amazing to be a part of, but at the same time, I think we should realize that it's then created a market that there's now opportunities for people that want to step into business. It's definitely not easy, but there is an availability there for more and more brands to appear and, and give it a go. And like I say, if you're doing it whilst you're employed, then you're sort of limiting your risk because you've still got that safety net. Um, so a few pictures, just quickly. This is a TVK1, our very first box, in our flat. <laughs> That's uh, Honey the cat in the middle, Karis uh, the human in the right. Uh, and that's Tyson the dog. But um, yeah, so, so, so we, we lived two floors up in a flat and every single one of those boxes, flat pack, you can see in the back right, um, had to be carried upstairs. Every single product was carried upstairs. Uh, the time came when we had to uh, move from there. When I got a phone call, I was in Oban, three hours from Glasgow. Uh, I got a phone call from a delivery guy saying, hi, Scott, I'm at, the, uh, at your house. I've got, um, you know, dropping off uh, some goods. And I was like, no problem, leave that with my neighbor, please. Uh, as had always been suitably, you know, allowed up until this point. And he said, no, nah, mate, he said, I'm an 18 foot, uh, 18 ton truck. Uh, on the Gallowgate, and I've got, uh, Gallowgate's East End where I'm from, uh, 18, 18 ton truck on the Gallowgate, and it's on a pallet. Uh, have you got a forklift? Uh, so I was like, <laughs> so we were like, I phoned Caris, couldn't get a hold of Caris. She was in a, in a meeting at Santander. I was four hours away, and they basically said, I'm either going to take it back to the depot or manufacturer, wherever it was, or I'll leave it on the Gallowgate for you. So it was a pallet of shrink wrapped stuff, um, which you dragged onto the Gallowgate. And um, yeah, it, let, it, it stayed there for about four hours until I eventually got back from Oban and nobody had touched it. So it was just one of these kind of miraculous events that everybody's probably walking by it thinking, what the hell is that? I think it might even have been, you know, a Clear Spring uh, measles soup or something. And it, and it just stayed there. And <laughs> it, was, it was still there when we, when we got there, thankfully. So we moved out of that space into a 1,000 square foot unit, um, which was our first proper 
uh, sort of business environment. That's in the top right. Uh, we used to lovingly take pictures of all the boxes stacked together just to show, you know, that, that was always a challenge to make the amount of boxes we had seem as big as it humanly possibly could. So, you know, sort of putting other things under that just to sort of give it a really nice kind of unique feel. But I can't remember how many we were doing at that point. Um, however, when I left my job and we uh, knew we had to burn the ship, so to say, and, and uh, sort of throw the kitchen sink at it, we knew that we couldn't do that if we stayed in that, that, that unit there. So again, had to make a huge big investment, a huge big gamble, and we moved to uh, a 3,000 square foot unit. That's it, completely empty on the left. We thought, great, we've got all this space now to grow the lifestyle box, the beauty box, and implement a supermarket. Uh, that's Casey, my daughter, in the middle, um, and uh, an article we did uh, in Vegan Connections paper around about that time. But the, hey, uh, the image on the right-hand side, that's Karis in the bottom left, repping the Ethics V-Gang. Um, yeah, that's, that's just our lifestyle and beauty boxes, which you will see has filled the entire unit. So that was three months of moving into that unit that we realised that we'd actually outgrown it already. So we signed a big lease on it though, um, and we were sort of tied in. So at that point, we, we were either going to get a second location or outsource our subscription boxes. So a fulfillment company now deals with their subscription boxes. It's been one of the best things we've ever done. That's what they do all day long is fulfill orders. We've got our own space in the warehouse. They basically operate for us. We've got our own section of their, like, I don't know, 300,000 square foot warehouse, and it works like a treat. Um, the daughter of the company is vegan. They understand exactly who we are, what we do. We've never had any issues, and it's, it's, it's been a blessing. So that left us with the 3,000 square foot unit just to grow the supermarket. Great, we thought, we'll probably be in here for a decade. You know, this will be us for this, this is amazing, it's an absolute master plan. Um, however, uh, we have already outgrown that. That was uh, March 2017, that picture was taken, and we've actually already outgrown it. So in a couple of months' time, we're moving into the new TVK HQ. Um, so it's a 10,000 square foot unit. That area there is getting a two-tier mezzanine system put in place so that we can really, really scale up the amount of products that we've got because we want to be truly a supermarket. The arrow there pointing into the chill room, that's a two, that the space is about 3,000 square foot. We're going to have about 2,000 of it as a walkthrough um, chill room, but not just walkthrough, it's going to have, uh, we're going to bust through the walls and, and double door it so that a forklift can get in there because we're selling so much of certain products that it doesn't, we can't buy it. We need to buy direct from the manufacturer. So mozzarella, V-Bites, Violife, um, oh, who else follow your heart? Like loads and loads of brands, we literally fly off the shelf, so we have to scale up. Um, so, but the thing I wanted to convey, you know, we're, we're not naturally at this point and then we've just slipped into a 10,000 square foot warehouse. This is a huge gamble again. We are basically moving into an environment that we are going to be taking on way more overheads, signing a huge lease. Um, but we have to do it if we want to grow. Um, if we're content with what the vegan kind is right now, then we can stay in the 3,000 square foot unit. But we want to, you know, make sure that we can bring every single vegan product to the UK ones that are like uh, getting imported just now. We need the space to do it, so we're having to invest in the business, make a huge big gamble, and relocate to here. So it's a very stressful time, and that's the honesty in me. It's a very, very stressful time because a two-tier racking system, forklifts, children, all of that. Um, we don't have the money to pay for it. You know, we're going to source it. We'll deal with banks. We'll, we'll, we'll get access to the funding. And luckily, we've been trading for four and a half years now, so we do have financials behind us. But we are in uncharted territory, and it's quite nerve-wracking. But at the same time, we do feel that we've um, been quite cautious about it, and we're, we're, we've not jumped into the unknown. We've been quite steady with everything. So that's basically the kind of um, we'll be moving in there soon. Um, so what does it take? 
Um, these are just a few traits. Obviously, veganism is the fastest growing lifestyle movement. I know people don't think of it as, as a lifestyle movement, but just to generalize it here, whether, you're, whether people are going vegan for the main reason, obviously animal welfare, um, a lot of people doing it for the environment and health now. There's actually a vegan, a new vegan restaurant opened up in Glasgow, um, and I was speaking to the girl, I grabbed a sausage roll sandwich before I came down here, and uh, uh, yeah, her main reason for, for um, opening up a vegan restaurant is the environment. She cares deeply about the environment, so she, she set up a glass uh, a glass vegan restaurant, Glass Vegan it's called, which is quite a cool name. Um, so what else are you going to need? You're going to need an amazing team. If you start building up your team, be aware of who you're pulling on. Make sure everybody's in the same mindset. Sacrifice, you're going to have to spend money on your business. In the early days when you want a logo created, you don't have any revenue. You don't have any money from the business to put into the things you need. So you have to spend your own money and, and sometimes you don't have the money. So you might find yourself doing things like putting, uh, connecting your credit card up to your Facebook ad account because you know you need to advertise but you don't actually have any revenue yet. Um, 5am club, that's something I, I do quite regularly. Um, if, you, if you know you need to get shit done, if you've got an idea, you've decided you're going to open up a cafe and you've got a list of things that need to happen and you don't have the time to do it, I cannot stress how productive you are at five o'clock in the morning. See if you get your clothes ready the night before, have them sitting out in the hall, be prepared for when your alarm goes off that you're going to jump out of bed first time, so you're not going to wake the kids, you're not going to wake anyone else up. You just grab your stuff on, get downstairs and walk the dog or just walk yourself listening to something inspiring, whether it be a podcast or um, just an audio book or something. When you come back in the house at quarter past five in the morning and you've already thought about it the night before um, and you've got your list of things you need to achieve, your phone's not going, you've not got any notifications, you've not done it blind, you've already sat and thought about what you need to do to get your business off the ground. So you've got a list of shit you need to do and you fire through it. Honestly, you get so much stuff done. And what ends up happening is you end up so tired because you've been up stupidly early that you go to bed dead early at night anyway, like nine o'clock, and you still get a full night's sleep. You just recalibrate your working hours in line with the fact that you are employed whilst trying to become self-employed. Um, avoiding perfection, ready, fire, aim principle, that's something I'm big on as well. If you've got an idea, uh, sense check it, make sure it sounds like it's broadly a good idea, don't do anything stupid, um, and uh, get ready and then fire, and then iron it out live whilst it's actually operating. If you spend too long perfecting your idea, you might never actually get it off the ground, so just do something, implement some momentum, and you'll soon find out live by a customer if something's not right, and you will fix it far quicker when it's out in the public realm than you will if you're tinkering about behind the scenes. Um, you're gonna have to have courage, Learn about marketing. There's so much stuff online about marketing. I could speak all day about that, but I won't. Uh, customers, obviously, loads of customers. That's what we use our social channels for, obviously, to drive an audience. Sales, you know, nothing wrong with understanding that you need to sell to be in business. It's all, all part of uh, being in business, really. Um, a lot of people don't like thinking about sales. I, I had a sales background, so I'm very comfortable with sales, how important they are you know, making sure they're coming in every single day. If they're not coming in, where are you gonna get them from? Targeting the business, I, I understand that world, but it is something that's very important. And willingness to learn, you absolutely cannot do everything yourself. I wasted so long trying to like, I don't know, create adverts and just deal with graphic design stuff because I thought I was half decent about it and it was just all dreadful. Whereas now I use platforms like Fiverr where you can get sort of cheap design done or 99 designs where you can go and get a bit more expensive design work. Um, ability to act quickly, the ability to de delegate, a success mindset, you know, success could be, you know, it doesn't need to be necessarily money driven. Success could be that you just want to reach um, X amount of people with your product or, 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 or like Damien and, and Judy, the success to them is maybe once they've conquered America or whatever it might be, but 
think about success and, and, and desire it because if you are going to get into business, you, you do need it, it to be successful if you want to, you know, to be able to draw an income from it and pay rent and all these things. It's, it's all part of it. Um, vision, uh, productivity, and then long, 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 mega long hours. Um, so that's uh, just a few sort of points. Uh, future milestones for us, so July in a few months time we'll be moving into our new 10,000 square foot facility. Uh, in August we're going to complete multi-channel integration which is where we will push our existing 3,000 SKUs uh, products, uh, supermarket products, out onto Amazon and eBay automatically. Um, so that's something we've been implementing for about six months now, it's really dragged on, it feels like it's taken forever, it's costing and costing and costing and costing, but we will eventually get there, I reckon around about August and that'll mean that we're starting to generate uh, two completely new revenue streams that we don't have at the moment and again we need them to work because we've just taken on all these big overheads like we, we have to get multi-channel off the ground it's it's not a, a nice to have it's an absolute given um, and then September 2018 we've got something big uh, I can't tell you what it is but we've um, got a new idea or product that we want to launch um, we scheduled that in for 2018 and then December 2018 prepare for an insane level of orders Christmas there was I can't even tell you it was we were just we were just unprepared it was the first time we'd had the supermarket really around about a Christmas time and we got caught off guard it was insane we could not get stock in quick enough I mean the stuff was just flying out the door which is amazing in terms of just how many people are clearly going vegan and buying vegan so it's really really inspiring um, so that's about me. Um, I think I'm probably nearly 20 minutes anyway. I've just got one last thing I wanted to say, and this was a, a quote that I um, read again in about 2013, and it's just about the subconscious mind, which I do firmly believe in. Everybody has a subconscious mind. It's almost like the, the devil on your shoulder that's talking to you, giving you limiting beliefs when you want to do something, and you, you, you instantly start doubting yourself and, and, and wondering whether it was a good idea in the first place, when it probably was. Um, but the subconscious mind will translate into reality a thought driven by fear just as readily as it will translate into reality a thought driven by courage or faith. So if you can train your subconscious mind to believe in yourself and allow you to loosen the chains and, and, and go for it when you have an idea or you've got an entrepreneurial idea in mind, then that's where you can really benefit and you need to resist those limiting beliefs and stop the doubt creeping in whenever you go to go for something because um, it can be you know, it can be a really, really hard one to overcome. Um, so final words from me would be on that note for everybody to, I'm not saying everybody can, can make it in business, but um, yeah, have a bit of faith in yourself and be courageous. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vevolution podcast. If you enjoyed this talk, please leave us a favorable review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Did you know that Vevolution now has over 40 talks published on YouTube and 20 podcasts? Head on over to www.vevolution.co forward slash media to feed your brain with some inspiring ideas and stories. Until the next time, take care and we'll look forward to seeing you soon.